This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. What's up, guys? Welcome to this news podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Solomon Ali NBA on Twitter. Here's joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm okay. I was sick last week, but I'm not sick this week. But I still sound kind of sick. How's it going? That's progress, though. You know, you're not feeling sick. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Okay. All right. I mean, that's something. Something to work with. It's it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Always got to look at the comparative improvement. Right. Always. Always got to look at that. So let's go with some news first. There hasn't really been much with the Rockets this week. Uh, I guess we can talk about the lineup change. So the Rockets changed their lineup before tonight's game uh, to move Eric Gordon to the starting small forward position and move Daniel House to the bench. Thoughts? Uh, so what? It's to, uh, basically to kickstart Eric Gordon, presumably, right? Uh, yeah. See if, see if he'll, his confidence will return or something will return uh i don't know that anything returned it, it didn't seem to work the first game so i i i don't really have a strong feeling like i, I don't really care who the rockets start like it to, to me that's uh, it's unimportant like it to to me it really matters how many minutes each guy is playing and who closes and like what are their best lineups for like to go with in general like it doesn't really matter to me if they start eric gordon or if they don't as long as they're not starting like I don't know Isaiah Hardenstein. Like it really doesn't matter who the who the Rockets start. As like as long as that player is in the Rockets' core six to seven man rotation. Well, they could start Isaiah Hardenstein in the the, the G League. They could do that. That might be a good idea. That might be a good idea there. Uh, over here, I'm not sure if it's a good idea. Not, you know, they haven't tried it yet. So who's to say? You know, who's to say? But yeah, like to to me, like, it's really insignificant who starts and who who doesn't. It, like as long as like that is a core player that's that's starting. And it, it, to me, it seems like this move, as you said, was made to jumpstart Eric Gordon, who has struggled uh, to say the least. He has been really really bad on both ends of the floor. Not just shooting. A lot of people are paying attention to shooting. His defense has not been good. Uh, just letting guys drive by drive right by him off the ball it hasn't been great. Uh, not not the Eric Gordon of last season, not even the Eric Gordon of like two seasons ago has not been good. And I think this is a mental thing. Like, I think this is something Mike D'Antoni did to, you know, kind of show that he has confidence in Eric. And, you know, a lot of, I, I've seen a lot of people complain about, you know, like Eric playing bad. Why don't you bench him? Like, no, that is not what you do. Like when, when, when one of your most important players is playing really badly, like, and seems to have a confidence issue, you don't, 
exacerbate that and put him to the bench and like suddenly play him 20 minutes a game. You can't do that. With players, you have to be delicate in how you manage their egos, how you manage their confidence levels. And I don't think playing Eric Gordon less is the solution here. And I probably would have stuck to the same starting lineup. Again, it doesn't really matter, but I, I, I just I like the look of Daniel Howe starting a little bit more. But putting Eric Gordon in the starting lineup is better than playing him less than what you were before. Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, I he's just, he has to get through it because, like you said, this is one of the core players. This isn't like a like if it was, uh, for example, like Tabo Cephalosha or somebody going through this, then you can, you can get, go him, well. Yeah. yeah, like well, we'll just won't play him until he's playing. Okay, but you can't with Eric Gordon. He's too big of a player in the team, and they have to get it get his head on straight. Uh, and to do that, like you said you can't not play them that's that's exactly the opposite to, to tell them that you to tell them for sure you have no confidence in him so i don't you know there's there's not a there's not a good solution when when this is happening uh i think people would like an easy fix but there really this isn't going to be one benching him is is a short-term solution sure it may be better to win one or two games here and there but the rockets don't care about one or two games here and there they're they're trying to win a championship if they have to depend on winning one or two games here and there like they, they're screwed they're absolutely screwed. Now, as far as whether or not it worked, it's we're, we're one game in. It's who's to say? It it, it was really really rough tonight. Now, let me say it, it was really <laughs> really rough tonight. I I have a feeling Mike D'Antoni will continue to start Eric Gordon for the for the foreseeable future. Uh, and I think it doesn't really matter in regards to Daniel House. He's going to be playing a lot of minutes. I, I know a lot of Rockets fans kind of panic in regards to Daniel House, but I, I promise you, like the Rockets are really, really high on Daniel House. Like I, I, I can tell you that right now, they are they do not intend on playing Daniel House less minutes. Like that, that's that's not in their that's not in their plans. How could they? Too, he's been obviously very good so far this season. Yeah, like coaches aren't stupid. I think like a lot of fans kind of just assume that when a player moves to the bench, like that that is a sign that, you know, he that coach trusts the player that they're moving into the starting lineup more. And that's not true. Like in this case especially, it's not true. I think it's just a case of trying to kickstart Eric Gordon. I don't, you know, like Mike D'Antoni talked about some stuff defensively, like maybe you can put Eric Gordon on the guy who defends the ball and maybe that helps solve their defensive issues. I I, I think that's ancillary. I don't think Mike D'Antoni was thinking about that when he made this rotation change. I think he was thinking purely, let's get Eric Gordon going. And that's that's all there is to it to me. Like I, like I don't think this is really that significant in regards to the, long, the Rockets long term like even in the playoffs if they choose to start Eric Gordon I, I don't think it really matters because I think uh, Daniel House is going to be part of their core seven it, it really doesn't matter who they start and who they don't so other news uh, Gary Clark and Isaiah Hardenstein have been moved to the G League I guess this is somewhat significant in that uh, it's very clear that uh, Gary Clark is not good <laughs> Some people are going to be very mad at you for saying that. It's fine. I, I listen to me. Gary Clark at summer league should have dominated. He really should have. Like that. That was his stage. He was. He was three years in, and at the at, at summer league, like I went into summer league expecting Gary Clark to be one of the best players there. I really did, because he was older than everybody there. Uh, he had more NBA experience than everybody there, and he did not show up. Like he he showed up like he was too good to be there. Like I, I have real questions at this point about Gary Clark's motor. I have real questions about Gary Clark uh, and like his future in the NBA. Like you know, like he played he played well in that stretch last season. A lot of fans look at that and think that's what Gary Clark is. And it's possible he just the Rockets didn't have much options, and he happened to be hot at the time. 
and he started missing shots, uh, started messing up defensively, and he fell out of the rotation. And Daniel Daniel House, frankly, outplayed him for that rotation spot. And I don't think he's the answer for anything the Rockets do this season. And, and if he is the answer, like, I'm sorry, they're in a lot of trouble. I think I, I have no problem with the Rockets assigning Gary Clark to the G League. I really don't. Uh, like, I, in my opinion, Chris Clemens, Chris Clemens and Daniel House are better than him. Like, I, I, I have no problem with him going to the G League. Isaiah Hardenstein, this is a guy I was high on. Early into the season, I think I have to. I think I have to reconcile and say that like, he's probably not very good either. <laughs> like, like he's pre- like if if NBA coaches like, and these are a lot of coaches making these decisions. It's not just Mike. Like there are a ton of coaches in these meetings. Like they come up with these decisions together. If they're all saying Isaiah is not good, he's probably not good. If he's not good enough to be in the rotation, uh, in their opinion, he's probably not good enough to be in the rotation. Like, and if you really think about it, like. You know, he, he's not really a good lob catcher. He's pretty good on the offensive glass. He hustles like crazy, and that's kind of what, what drew me to him. Other than that, like, as an NBA rotation player defensively, I'm just not really – I'm not really sold. Like, I, 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 I guess he's just not good. Like, I, I guess both Gary Clark and Isaiah Hardenstein just aren't NBA players. Like, they, they probably at this point belong in the G League. And – it really, it really feels like after these two got their contracts last season, like especially Gary Clark, like after Gary Clark got his contract last season, it, 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 he they probably got fat and happy. <laughs> like there, there is something to the case that, hey, like if all if everybody says he's not good, like if all these professional talent assessors say he's not good enough to be in the NBA, he's probably not good enough to be in the NBA. Like I, I, I really think it can be that simple. It really can. Well, this strikes me as a kind of a a last chance situation for Gary Clark and Hartenstein. These are both two guys who, as, as we said, have shown a lot of promise. A lot of strong, some some promise. Yeah, I mean they they have potential. They've shown that they like have spurts where they can do something worthwhile, but they have to prove that they can improve and do things consistently. So, uh, yeah, they need they really need to go down there and just uh, kind of kick a lot of ass in the G League. That's probably their best plan, whether they know it or not. And if they don't, like, I, I don't know how it could be more clear. Like, really, like, I, again, like, I thought Summer League was a big indictment on these two. Like, these guys really should have. And Isaiah was playing good towards the end, to be, to be fair, and he got hurt, right? right? Right when he started to get rolling. So, I, I, I can't really put too much blame on Isaiah, but Gary Clark specifically, this is a guy who should have dominated in that setting. And, and I get his strength is on the defensive end. But even on defense, I didn't think he was particularly strong in in the summer league. And I talked to scouts about this; they felt the same way. They, like a lot of people felt the same way. A lot of people thought Gary Clark should have went into the summer league and killed it. Like the rotation spots were there for them; they really were. Going into the season, the Rockets didn't have dependable wings and a, ba- a good backup center at the time of of summer league. So th- there was motivation there. If you better believe that if Gary Clark was really showing out, that he would absolutely find some minutes in this current Rockets team too. Right. So. Like, it's it's not just showing off like showing out on the court. The practices count too, and, yeah. and if these guys are showing out in practices, I promise you they'll see the floor. They will. While it is true that sometimes uh, a lot of coaching staffs misjudge talents, and you know they bounce around the league and they find a spot and they and they blow up. I don't think that's the case here. I really don't. I think these guys probably just aren't good enough to be in the NBA, and that hurts me as an Isaiah stan. Like I liked Isaiah. I liked Isaiah a lot. 
And I like Gary Clark a lot. If he could do the things he's supposed to be doing, he would be a good uh, a good backup for P.J. Tucker in particular, right? They need a guy like that. They really need a guy who can do what Gary Clark looked like he could do, but he doesn't look like he can do that. Right, and, and, and that's another thing. Like, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, This is a team that could use extra bodies. Like, They're, they're paper thin. So if Gary Clark was as good as people think he is, He'd be finding his way to the rotation just out of desperation. Just out of desperation. And he's not. And that's an indictment on him. I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in the in the G League. Sure. Yeah. I, we spent probably too much time on that news item. Um, so let's talk <laughs> about uh, the games this week. Yeah, we can probably skip, skip over the Oklahoma City game and the New Orleans game. Uh, let's talk about the Washington game. Because this game was just bad crazy this just from the start it just like it was who makes the last shot wins the game like that that was essentially yeah. what it was like it there was there was no stoppage on defense uh it, <laughs> it, it, it was a complete like and a lot of a lot of the shots that both of these two teams were hitting were contested shots like like a lot, a lot of these shots that bradley beal was hitting and davis burton was hitting and james harden was hitting these guys were hitting contested like step back ju- jumpers and, and they were just—they were all going in. Like it was—it was a night where both teams seemingly could not miss. It's going to go down in NBA history yeah. as like the third most points scored in regulation. <laughs> it is wild uh, how close the game was, especially given the like both teams hit everything, but the Wizards were hitting everything like at another level above where the Rockets were too. Like if you look at a team, you say, oh, 53% overall from the field, 40, like 43% from a three pointer. That's really damn good. That's a, that's like a, a, a hot shooting night. Certainly they won that game and they did, but their opponent shot 63% from the field and 56% from three. Wow. <laughs> that's like, an insane Steph night. Like that that's what that is. <laughs> and it's the whole team. It was it was a ridiculous game. It really was. And, and the ridiculousness kind of made you look past the very real defensive concerns that the Rockets showed. Right? Like I I I think that that game was so fun that I think a lot of people kind of looked past, "Oh man, this is kind of a worrying sign that the Rockets had to score 159 points to beat the hopeless Washington Wizards." Yeah. Yeah, it's uh there are there are some bad augers from that game, and it was something that even I looked past because I I looked at the shooting numbers and Wizards. I'm like, yeah, these guys are hitting ridiculous contested shots, like ridiculous contested shots. If you can go back and look at even like just go look at the highlights if you want, like you can find like Beal and and Bertans in particular hitting some stupid stupid contested jumpers. That's why it was easy to dismiss that kind of you know that kind of game. So we mentioned it earlier. Uh, the, this Rockets team is struggling uh, to to make shots. Uh, like they they made shots on that night. They made forty percent of the threes. But in general, they have been absolutely putrid uh, from the three point beyond the three point arc. They've been really really bad. Yeah, I'll put it this way: the game they played tonight, which I'm sure we will get into in greater agonizing detail. Uh, was both teams shot threes at the season average amount for Rockets this this season, which is like right about at 30% for the Rockets and right at like 43% for the opposing team, which is both of those are extremely troubling numbers. They are 27th in the league in three-point percentage, 30.7% 
Only the Orlando Magic, the Memphis Grizzlies, and the Atlanta Hawks have shot worse from beyond the three-point line. It, that's terrible. I, I, that is absolutely terrible. And their opponents have just absolutely knocked it out of the park. Like, they have shot at a blistering rate. Yeah, it, it's funny. This game tonight, too, they were still shooting at, like, 70% from three for the first half or something. It's just... It, it's all at this point. It's almost like when the opponents see a Rockets jersey in front of them, it's easier than shooting in an open gym. It's hard to believe. Yeah, I agree. It's rough. It is rough. Let's pay some bills here, Forrest. Ever seen untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's untuck it. The original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. So I'm a big fan of untucked. Anybody who knows me knows, like, I'm not the biggest fan of dressing up. Like, like I'm, I walk around town with a t-shirt and shorts. Like, I, I, that's just my style. I don't like, I don't like dressing up and getting all fancy. So untucked, it's like perfect for me because when I, when I go shopping for other shirts, like those shirts. When I leave them untucked, they'll come down to my knees often, and I'm just like, "Yeah, this is this isn't it. What are we doing here? Like, what? Are, this isn't a gown. I want. I, I'm here for a shirt. I'm here for a nice, good-looking shirt that I can wear with a, a nice pair of pants, and I can leave untucked." So I went ahead and I ordered untucked shirts, and they came in recently, and they fit great, they look great, and they look like they're meant to be untucked, which is just what I was looking for. Like, I don't like tucking my shirt, and untuck it is perfect for me. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com. And that's promo code BLUE for 20% off. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything that's happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is also impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, You'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axio Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up and it's free. Sports.axios.com Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up in the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall. No subscription fee. Nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try it for free 99 at sports.axios.com. Rockets opponents are shooting 43.3% from three. That That's that's worse than the NBA. Yeah, it's never been that bad over a whole season for anyone ever. It's not even close. Either. The Timberwolves are at 39.6. That's four percentage points difference from 30 to 29. That's ridiculous, man. Like, that, that, yeah. that that's just horrible bad luck if the, yeah and well and this is the big debate right like it's their defense is clearly bad yeah and also they're like they're also very clearly having bad breaks in, in opponent shooting and like one does not negate the other one right so 
like the debate is like, oh, is this is this number real or not? And the thing is kind of weird because it's not gonna like look. I it seems just as like just as it's homery to say, oh, it's all just hot shooting. T- it'll even out and it'll be fine again. It seems like ludicrous in the opposite direction to say nope they're just the worst three-point defense team in the history of the nba by a lot that's just what it is that's how bad they are like it's pretty unlikely they are the worst three-point defense in all of history that's a that's an odd thing to go to immediately so it will even out somewhat how much is a very worrying question the rockets have been allowing 43 pointers per game and and, and that's probably the the biggest the biggest thing here, right? Because three-point attempts allowed is a pretty big indicator about how your defense is, and the Rockets are 28th right now. So they, you know, by all means, you're correct. Like they, they are not as bad as they appear to be. They, they're still, they're still pretty bad right now. Their, their shot profile has shifted in such an opposite direction. Like in the beginning of the week, you could say, okay, yeah, they're catching a lot of bad breaks, but now it seems like they're giving up a lot of back cuts. Like tonight. Like we'll talk about the Miami great Miami game in greater detail because I feel like that's like a ten minute discussion. But like the back cuts they allowed in that first quarter were just mind numbing. Like it was it was like if you wanted to show someone in the NBA what bad defense was, you could just show this the, the, the tape for that first quarter against Miami. It was some of the worst defense I've ever seen in my life. It was it was it was so some of bad. the worst a lot of things I've ever seen. Yeah, it, it was it was putrid. <laughs> it, it was so bad. Yeah, like they, they, they were just giving up everything and like transition buckets, uh, second chance opportunities, uh, back cuts, everything, absolutely everything. They were they were giving it up in that for, in the first quarter, but we're gonna talk about that later. But yeah, like th- so they have a lot to clean up defensively. But you're right. Once these numbers turn around, they're probably gonna tick up a little bit defensively, at least at least a little bit. They're not gonna be. They're not going to be top ten. I think then we we realized that pretty quickly. <laughs> no. Like they're probably going to still be bad, but not this bad. Yeah, uh, I, and their offense will improve also, obviously, as they like learn to shoot again. I mean, so I have I have some thoughts about this about like the shooting and their general early season malaise, which they they had last season as well. I it kind of feels like they're playing into shape. Uh, which is at once both bad and understandable because the the reality is that these guys are getting older. You know, your best players are are in their thirties now. Uh, it gets harder to 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 go as you get older, and it requires like more time and more daily maintenance to make sure that you are able to do what you used to be able to do easily. Look, I'm I'm about to crack forty pretty soon, and let me tell you. It is not as easy as it was when I was in my twenties. It, it is the it is the case that it gets harder to do everything. So them playing their way into shape, I think, is a big part of this. Like they're gonna get more into game shape as it goes, but it's kind of a big indictment that they weren't already ready for this. There's a possibility that the Japan trip had something to do with this. Like, like that's like we've seen with plenty of NBA teams. Like that is that is something that 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 readjustment of your clock playing in a different time zone coming back and that that, that kind of workload like that that takes a toll on your body like and I, i'm sure even that yeah. has some sort of lingering effect onto how they're playing right now like they they, they have not had a good three-point shooting game that i can i i'm at least off the top of my head i can't remember even a, a, a game where they've shot average in the three well point other other than that wizards game Right, that, that, that I'm sorry. Yeah, other than that Wizards game, I, I can't even remember a game where they shot average from three point line. Like they they they've been really bad. 
the Asia trip slump is real. Uh, you know, and it, like, once again, it's not an excuse. Like neither is their We're age. We're just trying to figure right? it out. Well, it just means they have they have a harder road, right? So they've just got to travel that harder road. Like that's just all there is to it. It 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 sucks that like it's more difficult for them than it was last year or whatever. Every year of your life, it sucks that they have this like weird jet lag problem that they're still probably having to shake off, compounded by getting older. But other teams have dealt with it, and they have to also. And I say this right now: they're five hundred, and we're six games in. Right? It's it's really tough to tell. Uh, and this is probably a good transition point. Like, it's a, it's really tough to tell early on whether or not is it, it is a good time to flash the 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 alarm, right? Like, here's a question for you: Do you think this is a correct time to panic if you're a Rockets fan? Uh well, all right. So I have two answers to that question. Uh, I think that this, like every other time, is a fun time to panic, but I don't think. Like I'll say this, I do not think the team should panic. Uh, fans can do whatever they want. Uh, if you enjoy panicking, do so because of its own merits. But it's it's very early. Uh, I know that I often have a lot of doom and gloom, but I think the doom and gloom is always true. <laughs> Even if things were looking better, I would still be uh, I would still be wary of it, right? So there's a lot there's a lot of time for us to turn around. If my biggest my biggest doom saying is that it is that they're old is the biggest problem, which uh, is a bad in as much as it means it'll just get worse over the years. But it's good in, in that it means that over this season it'll get better. So it is too early to have any like real concrete uh, th- like worries or like any any like massive panics. But uh, you know if if you still want to to panic, go for it. You know, have fun. Yeah, and and longtime listeners of the podcast know how I feel about this kind of stuff. Like the twenty game mark is where is where I really start to make real concrete like judgments on on a team. Like that that I feel like is a pretty healthy time to judge like what we've seen so far. Like it's okay to make preliminary observations. That's what we're gonna do every week until we get to the twenty game mark, right? Like I, we have no other choice. We have to start looking at what we see and making observations of it. But I feel like the 20 game mark is where you really start to understand a team. Um, one positive, I guess, is that they have an offensive identity that they didn't have to start last season. Like last season, they were bad on both ends. Like they, they were, they were, they were flat out. They flat out didn't have an identity. And th- yeah. this this season, at least they have that offensive identity d- down. And like the Russ and Harden stuff, like a, a lot of people worried about that going into the season. I don't think that's a, a real concern. Like I, I think they've, they've gelled together pretty nicely on the offensive side of things other than the shooting. Like they've been pretty fine. The defense is, and they're fourth in the NBA if, if, as a point of reference for, on the offensive side of things. So on the defensive side of things, where are they at there? <laughs> yeah, it is worrisome. Like I think we used the flag analogy last, last podcast. Like we used, you know, green flag, yellow flag, red flag. So, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say like they're at a red like I, I'm not, I'm never going to say they're at a red flag kind of territory until the 20 game mark, but they're definitely at like dark yellow. Like, is dark yellow a thing? <laughs> uh, I think you mean orange. <laughs> maybe <laughs> is it orange? Maybe could be gold. Is can, can we uh, use like, gold like, here? Like a golden rod, like a real like a deep golden rod. Yeah, we we could we could use orangish slash gold, like like something disgusting. Like, like not yellow because, like, it, 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 we're in the middle of yellow and orange. So, like, whatever nasty color that is. Uh, yeah, it's pretty nasty too. That's that's fair. It is, man. It's it is hard to watch this team right now. Just to, to put that out there in terms of nastiness. 
do you do you want to talk about this game? Do we dare? Yeah, we have to kind of, right? Like it, it is uh <laughs> the game of the week. Uh if you if you notice in our recap, like I absolutely tore them to shreds. This was one of the worst one of the worst losses in Houston Rockets franchise history as far as regular season games is concerned. Like I, I don't even think that's a question. Like this is this this was so, so bad. Especially that they, fir- that first quarter was God. That's the worst quarter I've ever seen. They look <laughs> They, I mean, some people have been saying, well, they're in Miami Saturday night during a, uh, no, during. It's, it's not an excuse. That's... No, it's not. I mean, like, but they, they looked drunk. <laughs> they looked like they were currently drinking before they stepped onto the court. Yeah, not, like, not even hung over, just drunk, right? <laughs> like, we're actively in the middle of drinking and, like, worked it off over the course of the game or something. That first quarter, they looked like they could barely stand up. I do not, I do not know what happened. Like, they, I, it's rare to see a team that bad. And for what it's worth, the Heat, as far as can be told, are a pretty good team. Like, that's a legitimately good team. And they're, they're you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're five not and like, one right now. They're, yeah. they're second in the East. Yeah, so it's, you know, losing losing to a team on the caliber of the Heat is not in and of itself shameful necessarily, but losing in that like way this, is extremely yeah. shameful. That was rough. They gave up a 32-point deficit in one quarter. That's horrific. Just absolutely inexcusable. I whatever they it is they did, they need to take a look in the mirror and not do whatever that was ever again. I'm glad you said they looked asleep because like that I could not have described it any other way. They looked, they looked like they had just woken up, and like it it was like especially on defense, like like the Rockets to their credit have at least looked like adequate, like covering up these cuts, and they've been pretty okay on the de- on the defensive rebounding side of things which was a major concern last season Clint Capella in particular like the, those first five minutes if anybody had any question as to why Mike D'Antoni wasn't playing Clint Capella like go go watch those first five minutes god he couldn't he couldn't even catch a pass he looked horrible yeah and it wasn't just like these guys were throwing bad passes he literally could could not catch anything and, and that 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 includes rebounds he could not catch rebounds he he looked awful uh, and and he picked it up to his credit in the in the third and fourth quarter, but in general he just like like there was just a malaise about him and and a slowness that you ha- you haven't seen from Clint Capella in a while. Like he looked old for someone who's twenty six years old. I think at this point he's twenty five, twenty six. He looked like he was thirty two. Like he looked awful. Um, and he's looked like that. Like not not to that extent, but he's looked kind of slow for this entire season that's why mike has been going to this this pj tucker at center center lineup for a lot of minutes like by the way have personally have you had a problem with mike going to that lineup a lot to start the season i i, I realize we didn't talk about that on the last podcast um oh boy uh i See the problem is it's hard it's hard to say this with how bad Clint Capella is. A lot of people are very mad at him for going smaller and going smaller and going smaller, but like how do you go big again if Clint Capella is just terrible? Yeah, and th- that's kind of where I'm at. Like like you want to justify Clint being on the floor, but he's not giving you any reason, right? Like he's not he's not giving you a reason to think that he's and he started last season like this too. He really like, like if if I'm not mistaken, like Clint and Eric started the, started last season exactly like this 
And, and I remember because I, I I remember writing about how both of those guys looked like guys who were begging to be traded, <laughs> like yeah. mid, mid season. And it feels like that this season. The problem for the Rockets is they can't trade one of those two players, right? <laughs> like it, it, it's really really bad. It's really rough. And whatever the hell it is, they, these guys have to shake it off. Like they have to shake it off, and they have to shake it off quickly because they need both these guys come postseason time. They're not. They're not. Good. They have no chance to survive against some of the teams in the Western Conference, even the bottom tier teams in the Western Conference. If Clint Capella and Eric Gordon are not Clint Capella of and Eric Gordon of past, by the time the playoffs come around, the Rockets are absolutely screwed. Absolutely. Yeah. Screwed. I mean, the, this Rockets team right now looks like the worst team in Texas. Like legitimately looks like the worst team in Texas, and that's totally unacceptable with how much like talent and how much salary they have on that roster. They this cannot continue. I don't. I it's hard to believe like even what we're seeing out there because it has in some games. Like there's a number of games where they just look like they're not trying. They just look like they don't care and don't want to be there. And I get that it's easy to get burnt out on a long season like this. I know it happens to a lot of teams, but. They they can't do that. They can't go out there and just like half-ass it in the way that they are. And they, they especially can't go out there and do whatever they did tonight, whatever it was. Why why ever you they all looked like they were attempting to like get out of bed or like stave off a, a terminal disease or something. <laughs> whatever happened to them, this can't keep happening. This is not, this is an utter disaster and is going to get people fired and traded if they don't do something about it. It got to the point where the Rockets would cut into the lead and they still had 30 points left to cut off. Like yeah. like, like 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 that that's that's how bad the, the the loss was, man. Like like the game was just like they were fighting uphill the entire time. At no point did they feel like they had control of the game. And I think that's yeah. a big red flag because even when, even in blowouts, like the opposing team has control of the game at some moments of the game. This was not that. They never had control of the game. They never. There was not a lead change for the entire game. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a miracle that they only lost as badly as they did. Like they they didn't they didn't lose the rest of the game horrendously. Like after the first quarter. In fact, uh, I think they even like won the rest of the game by like a point or something like that. But that first quarter, just they just dug themselves into a grave, and there was no way they were going to get out of that. And like, no matter how much they tried to come back from it, that whatever was happening was still happening, even though maybe they cared some more. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and like this is the kind of game where like the next game you play has to be like red alert. Like you have to win that game. You have to win in Memphis. I don't care if it's a back-to-back. I don't care if you're traveling. I don't care about any of that. You have to win the next game. Yeah, they need to blow Memphis out. They absolutely have to shred them. Yeah, to, to get the taste out of, the, of, of this game out of, out of your mouth. Because if they, win, if they lose that game in Memphis, like at that point, it doesn't even matter how many games it's been in the season. Like You might have to raise a red flag. Like, like It doesn't matter if you're seven games in. Like You, you might have to start trying drastic... Like even even tonight, the Rockets yeah. they threw out after five minutes. They they quickly put in Daniel House and Tabo Cephalosha, and then and then later on they put in Austin Rivers, and then they put in Chris Clemens. And like they haven't played Chris Clemens all year. Again, at the beginning of the season, I I talked about how if, if Chris Clemens is one of your main rotation players this year, you are in a world of hurt. And right now, the Rockets are in a world of hurt if they're gonna, if they're having to depend on Chris Clemens. Now, if you're the Rockets, do you continue on with this plan to rest 
Russell Westbrook on the second half of a back-to-back because that before the game it did seem like Mike D'Antoni was headed in that direction. Oh boy, uh, I mean, you probably should honestly in terms of like long term how to keep guy how to let him keep recovering and keep guys fresh because uh, here's a the deal they need to do this for like for long term and playoff goals. Now, if preparing yourself for the playoffs and long-term goals keeps you from making it into the playoffs, then it didn't matter what you did either way. Well, I don't think the Rockets are there yet, right? Like, I don't think they don't have to worry about that quite yet. But they're definitely at the point where they need to start building good habits, right? Yes. And and I think that that's where you 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 probably consider playing Russ. I know it's the second half of a back-to-back, and I know Russ. Just got knee surgery, but like you kind of you kind of have to think drastically after a loss like that. Like if they had just lost this game by like ten points and didn't have that kind of first quarter, like it, it does. I guess you don't really have to worry about it, right? But it wouldn't be a bad no. Yeah, and there's no urgency to win the next game. But this this loss. This is the kind of loss that forces you to get a little desperate. Not desperate. But a little desperate. Try some new sh- Scrap some plants. And I, I think I think you would at least think about playing Russ for the next game. Well, he does definitely does have a lot of energy. He was was he was he like a minus forty six tonight somehow? Yes. I don't even know how that's possible. There's plenty of blame to spread. You can you can spread that nice and evenly across a lot of people right now. That's a great topic. Let's talk about that. Who is to blame <laughs> for how shaky they've been? Uh, everyone? Can it be everyone? Because I'm getting a ton after every game. I tweet one quote, just one quote from Mike D'Antoni. The next seven replies in my mentions are, this guy has to go. At this point, it feels like 60 to 70% of Rockets fans are in favor of firing Mike D'Antoni. I don't think that's an exaggeration. No, I think you're right. That's my experience, too. Yeah, like it it really does feel like the fan base is completely turned. And by the way, let me just say this. No no title contender, no would-be title contender has ever benefited from firing a coach midseason other than the Cleveland Cavaliers of 2016. That's the only example you can draw upon. And I'm not even sure they played meaningfully better in the regular season after they fired David Blatt. Like they, like they, I think they had actually a better record with they, David Blatt yeah. than they did after they fired him and and. and you know, put in Ty Lue. Like it, 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 so you're saying it was to it was to keep LeBron happy, right? It, it was it was the kind of move you did to keep your franchise player happy. And I I, I just don't like this. This never works. Ninety nine point nine percent of the times, firing a coach midseason is bad. It never turns around your season. The Rockets learned this three years ago when they fired Kevin McHale mid midseason. It did not work. Yeah, and it, it was the worst. It was a complete storm. PR wise, like it's 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 not something you want. You don't want to fire Coach Matisen. If if Rockets fans are in favor of letting go of Mike, the best course of action, like, is to let his contract expire. And I don't even think letting go of Mike is the right move. Like I like here's the question I always ask when people want to fire their head coach: Is there an available coach on the market that you feel is a meaningful upgrade? Because I look at the market of coaches right now, I can't think of one coach that I yeah, can say is definitely better than Mike D'Antoni. Because I like you're talking about firing a Hall of Famer. Like that's that that's what Mike is. Like Mike's gonna go into the Hall of Fame one day. It's not just his influence on the game. He's just really, really damn good at this. 
He's won 60-plus games multiple seasons. He's won 50 games pretty much like every other year of his career. He's gotten to multiple Western Conference Finals. And I guess people will never be sold on him until he wins a title. I think that's ridiculous. Like, I, I think, like, you look at some of the other coaches in the NBA that haven't won a title. You, know, you tell me Brad Stevens, Mike Boonhoser, and some of these guys aren't good coaches just because they haven't won one. Like, I think that's a ridiculous way of evaluating things. Yeah, I don't. I mean, if not, it'd be different if like James Harden wanted him out, right? Like, if we started hearing about like, oh, uh, you know, the, the star players want the coach out, then we can have a different discussion. But I don't like. I've seen the 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 belief that oh, well, we should basically just pull the bandaid off now, right? But what's it going to help? Like, what is what is the point of it even then? Just changing this sooner. I mean, it's the, firing a coach midseason is not pulling the bandaid out. That's like stab, That's pulling the bandaid out and stabbing that wound again. Right, is that it's a it's a breach of trust in a way, right? That you don't want. If you want players to, if you want the team to have like a coherent culture, you can't have people looking looking over their shoulders all the time. Like they need to stick this out. They need to have some professionalism. They need to have some trust. Even if that trust is misplaced, it's better to like, it's better to have shown loyalty and like perhaps have been wrong than to show disloyalty. And, and there's the case that like I see a lot of Rockets fans make that. Like Mike's lost the locker room. That's not true. I can tell you. From, I haven't heard about that at all. What we would have heard about that. I can tell you from personal experience that that that, that that's not true. All the players in that locker room still love Mike. That is not true. Like that that's patently false. Like the idea that he's lost the locker room. That is not. That's not something that's happening right now. They're just playing bad. Like and we're six games in, and the Rockets have plenty of time to turn this around. They they they, they were twenty games in last season and they still didn't turn it around. Now, I'm not saying if you're 20 games in and they're so bad, you shouldn't worry. What I'm saying is, like, firing a coach midseason is never the answer. Yeah, that's a panic move. And don't, the, the team should not be panicking, absolutely. They have, I mean, they've even been given plenty of reasons to panic. It's been a, it's been a rough few months for this team, but they, that's not, that is not the answer. Now, if we want to get into firing coaches, uh, I also don't understand why some coaches were fired over the summer. Uh, to me, that is a bigger concern than this other stuff, but that's fine. Uh, we're talking about right now, and right now you can't fix this by getting rid of Mike D'Antoni. You can only fix this by stuff that, I don't know, uh, giving make a- the guys play better. Yeah, give more of a <laughs> like th- that's the only way you can turn this around. Like give some sort of and, effort defensively and and, and, and hit the, your shots. Hit your shots. And that appears to be that seems to be why a lot of people want D'Antoni to get fired because they believe that someone else could come in here and make these guys give a shit. But like it, who who no one can do that. That's not a thing that people can do. Not just like oh if the, if the right guy was here he'd do it. Like it's just not a thing anyone can do. You're not going to you can't just bring in some guy to make a whole room full of guys change their attitude overnight. That doesn't work. <laughs> you, if they aren't changing their attitudes now, like that's a problem that no one's going to be able to fix. Firing Mike D'Antoni isn't going to change any of these problems that are happening right here. And another argument I've seen is that, oh, the offense is too simplistic, and this is supposed to be Mike D'Antoni's like, strength, and, and the offense is like the, like, ru- the most rudimentary offense ever. And first of all, like they're fourth in the league in offense. They were they were they were the and and they can't shoot and, and they were awesome in offense wow. last year they're off they're awesome in offense the year before and they were awesome in offense the the year before that like they they have not changed their offense meaningfully from from A to B to C like it's it's 
generally the same offense. The, the Mike's added in some wrinkles. It's pretty much the same offense. Yeah, like I was saying, they're they are fourth in the league in offense over this first six games, and that's despite them not being able to hit a three to save their lives. So I, the concern on that end continues to baffle me. Uh, it is entirely a defensive concern this season, uh, and oh boy, we're gonna see how that goes. Right. Um. So they they definitely have looking at it right now. They they did they they're definitely paper thin. They definitely need to bring in some guys. Uh, now, right now, they, they don't have the luxury of bringing in guys because guys aren't really exactly available uh, unless they make a massive trade tomorrow, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's gonna if they're going to make a trade, it's going to happen closer to the trade deadline. And if they make any other significant roster moves, it's going to happen uh, on the buyout market or if, or they might add like a G League guy or something. But like they're not going to make any move of note right now. Um, I think they just have to play better, and that sounds really simple and really dumb, but it it just it is the solution to this. Like they have to hit their shots, they have to avoid uh, some of the dumb defensive mistakes that they've 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 allowed. Like the fast break stuff is concerning, the back cut stuff is concerning. They have to fix that stuff. The point of attack stuff is really concerning. Like Eric Gordon and James Harden cannot let guys just drive past them. They have to, they have to, they have to put up some sort of resistance. And and Clint Capella should not be responsible for cleaning up all of that. And Clint Capella himself has to play better. Like there are a lot of things. Like Eric Gordon has to. Play, there are, there are a lot of things the Rockets can do to turn this around. Uh, firing Mike D'Antoni is not the solution here. It's not. Uh, by the way, you want to hear something funny? Uh, do you know who's the who has the highest net rating in the NBA right now? Um, the Phoenix Suns. It's the Miami Heat. Really? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I guess I shouldn't be surprised. They're like five and one right now, and the Suns are third. Come on, now they're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the league is wacky right now, and that's why that that that's why you shouldn't put too much weight into the first two weeks of the season you should put some weight but not that not not the same kind of weight you put in 20 games in yeah, bad teams don't know they're bad yet and old teams haven't played in the shape yet so uh you're right we're gonna see a more realistic look at things as time goes on like the first month as a as a whole like the first 30 days worth of games can in fact have some some like some valuable information in them but it takes a month until you really have anything worthwhile to look at. Yeah, and I'm concerned that people are listening to this podcast and think that we're just making excuses for the Rockets. Again, like that is not at all what we're doing. We're just trying to understand the Rockets. Like we're just <laughs> we're just trying to we're trying to analyze them. We're trying to figure out what they're doing wrong. We're trying to we're trying to we're trying to figure out if the Rockets are indeed in as bad of a spot as some people think they are. And as of well, right now, I I think they're in a I think they're in a rough spot. You know, I wouldn't say they're in a red flag kind of territory right now. Well, as I, as I say, no one's as bad as their worst game. And my friend, I think we saw that game. Is is it dirty yellow? Is is, is that is that the color I'm thinking? Is <laughs> yeah. it's like mu- like a muddy like a yellow flag that fell in the mud? Maybe mustardish. Maybe that's the color. Like I I, I don't know. It's not it's not a good it's not a good yellow. It's, it's not it's not one of the pretty yellows. That's what I'll say. Maybe it's maybe it's like a yellow flag that like someone got injured nearby and got some blood on it or something. Maybe it's a, it's a it's a, it's a bad flag. It's not red, but it's bad. You don't want the flag. You don't you don't want the flag that we're describing <laughs> here. Yeah, this is a flag that the ref is going to hold with like w- one finger and thumb, like as far away from themselves as possible, and it's like flick it away. Yeah, you, you want the yellow flag or you want the green flag? You, you don't want whatever the hell this is. You you, <laughs> you, you don't want that. 
Well, uh, that that seems like a good stopping point for the podcast. Uh, subscribe, <laughs> subscribe to Radio Shoes Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at Somali on NBA, and follow Forrest on Twitter at at Dunots D U N O T S. And yeah, guys, good night. guys it's mike as you know i adopted my pup rocky from a local rescue now when people ask me what kind of dog rocky was i was always stumped i used an embark dog dna test to decode my most puzzling questions about rocky you can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with embark the highest rated dog dna test unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT.